there are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio Studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Well, happy Saturday and welcome back to the show about money. It's Hi-Fi Radio. Wolfgang Klein, your host, here to help guide you with your personal finances, manage taxes, manage risk, and of course, ultimately make some money along the way. And of course, Jack Hartle is here for that cause. Uh, very, very privileged to have Sandy McIntyre, capital market strategist with CI Investments. Jack and I know, of course, Sandy McIntyre uh, from his days with Century Investments. Uh, Century was uh, then acquired by CI Investments. Uh, CI Investments has a number of brands uh, under its uh, uh, belt, including Signature and Harbor, Century, Black. Uh, Black Creek, Cambridge, uh, and the likes. And so now Sandy McIntyre has become the capital market strategist uh, for the whole kit and caboodle. But before I get into the Q&A with you, Sandy, and I am very, very delighted to have you in studio, uh, that little intro to Hi-Fi Radio. Did you catch that voice? Uh, and I'm going to ask you, do you know whose voice that was, who voiced the uh, promo? No, I didn't. Warren Buffett. Oh, cool. Isn't that cool? Yeah. So I think what we're going to do when we do a refresh on our... Uh, uh, promos is maybe bring you in and see if you'd voice oh, a okay. voice. Would you be into that? Um, I, I could admire Buffett because he invests in the structures of everyday life. Railways, <laughs> insurance, food. So how about that railway investment? Let's start with that. And Jack, uh, Jack fed me the information a couple of weeks ago. I think it was you put it on my desk. Hey, Jack, that BNS, uh, Burlington Northern Santa Fe acquisition. According to the mathematics, when he made that acquisition 10 years ago, he went, so you know something, I've always liked railways. I want to buy the whole thing. And as such, I have to pay a premium of 40%. And the media and the professors and the academics of the world said, you overpaid Warren Buffett for this railway. He said, oh, well, uh, time will, of course, tell. So what's the, what's the spread between its value today and the book value? Well, that's just it. So he paid $35 billion for uh, Burlington Northern. He took out $35 billion in dividends over 10 years. And the company today is worth $100 billion. So the academic professor who said he paid too much for it got a fail. Warren Buffett, of course, with the, with the check. Got the pass as far as and, and Buffett still owns the business, and he still has the right to all those future cash flows and dividends that Burlington is going to be producing. So, which now leads me then to, of course, the crash, Sandy, that we just went through. And Tony Dwyer is our strategist at Canaccord. Do you know Tony? I know Tony. Yeah. yeah. And so it, it was him who brought that word to my attention, and I shared it with Jack. Um, and it's, I guess, a five-letter word, and I don't like it. Uh, C R A S H crash. Uh, I thought crashes happened like a car crash. Bang, immediately in the stock market, I guess happening over three months with such magnitude and velocity, uh, according to the academics, uh, qualifies it for being a crash. Uh, and I was you know, trying to hold our clients' hands, as Jack and I do, through this process and saying, you know, this is a crash. It is technical. It's not really fundamentally uh, within the structure of the economy. It was a financial crash as opposed to an economic crash because the economics have held in relatively well, although they've been slowing down, which is, I think, the key point there. And the, the financial crashes are... Very difficult to predict just with the when so they have the velocity of them. Look at the airline earnings that have come out in the past few days. Amazing. They've all blown out. What does that say? That says people are flying. Yeah. The people are in the air and they're in the air because they've got money in their pockets. Yep. Um, look yeah. at the railway earnings. Goods are moving. How about Tim Horton's earnings yesterday or a couple of days ago? Yeah. People are buying their toll booth coffee. Jack calls it a toll booth. He said, I love that. It, it is a toll booth. Every, every Almost every day I go there and spend my dollar seventy five and get a coffee. <laughs> Uh, well, fun funnily enough, um, when we had a real crash back in 2008, 2009, I got a phone call from the one direct client that I still deal with. That's my mother. And, uh, <laughs> She's probably a tough one. <laughs> your, mother's, your mom's still with us. 
She's still with us. God bless uh, her. She, uh, she's still an equity investor. Um, and she her, now her investment objective has never been to beat the market. Her investment objective has been to grow her income. So I have owned for her over the decades companies that have a characteristic of dividend growth. Mm-hmm. So she called me in mid-March 2009 and said, Sandy, I have to sell everything. Oh. oh, I said, oh, well, just a second. What's going on here? Um, Mom, if you sell everything, where will your income come from? She said, I haven't thought about that. I said, okay. Um, I want you to do something for me on the weekend. I want you to go to Yorkdale, and if, oh. <laughs> if you can get a there's no spot. activity, I'll let you sell something. She called back. Next week, Sandy, that was a horrible experience. Yeah. It took me forever to find parking. Yeah. When I got in the mall, there were all these horrible people with bags bumping into me. Yeah. What am I buying? I changed the conversation. Yeah. It was helping her to recognize that the economy is much less volatile than its market-based derivative, the stock market. Big time. So think of the stock market as a hyperactive Jack Russell Terrier by the name of Stocky. And think of Mr. Economy as this placid person plodding along, maybe getting a little anxious every five or 10 years. Yeah. We're in studio with Sandy McIntyre, a capital market strategist for CI Investments, a man who has worked in finance, a man who's worked, I guess, on Bay Street. Have you ever worked on Wall Street? Never worked on Wall Street. Uh, so, so uh, a man who worked on Bay Street since 1975. Jack did the math, and it works out to how many years, Jack? 25 plus 18 years, 35, 43 years. Is that right? Uh, 43 years. So, boy, you've seen a few things. Um, I've seen behavior, and markets are all about behavior. And the behaviors that I saw in the secular bear market of the 70s into the early 80s repeated themselves with different people in 2007 to 2015 and are repeating again, again with different people. Um, What I've found is well, this is a whole different discussion. It has to do with capital formation and wealth. Um, Family net worth peaks in your sixth decade um, at a point when you are transitioning from an accumulation portfolio to a decumulation portfolio. But the investor behavior doesn't change as the portfolio should. And I've, I've struggled for years to try to help people to understand that when you are living off of your capital, your capital has to be allowed to work on your behalf so that you no longer have to work. Let it work and don't overtrade it. Or don't fire it when it, when it appears not to be working. Right? That's don't, right. Don't fire it. Sandy McIntyre in studio, Capital Market Strategist, one of the smartest men in Canada uh, who has worked on Bay Street. Uh, if you're interested in money, which I know you are, you want to listen to this gentleman. Again, he's been in the business since 1975, so he's going to get a lot of airtime on Hi-Fi Radio. But we're going to pay some bills and get right back to you right after this. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
Welcome back to the show. Hi-Fi Radio, 640 in Toronto, Global News Radio. It is uh, Jack Hartle, co-host and producer of the show, and I'm just here for the ride. Uh, delighted to have Sandy McIntyre in studio. Again, a man who's worked in this business since 1975. He's seen a multitude of bear markets. saw a couple of recessions along the way. Uh, and he saw you know, global wealth, for the most part, hit all-time highs several times. I, I remember um, household net worth... Uh, in the United States, hitting, I believe it was $85 trillion, Sandy, uh, in 2007. Jim Allworth, the strategist at RBC at the time, saying, you know, the market can't go down because household net worth is so strong. People feel good. And, of course, then the... The wealth uh, effect. The, well, yeah, the wealth effect, exactly. But then, of course, the bad paper started to percolate to the surface and the house of cards came down. House of cards came down. Um you're a common sense kind of a guy, as, as, as fundamentally driven, meaning as astute you are with the finances of, of, of each and every business that you uh, have advised people to invest in, the macro, micro that you work on. You know, I'm thinking about Jim Rogers, and I haven't heard of that man in some time. He was a man who traveled the world, looked at people's daily consumption needs, and said you can build a portfolio around that. So how much copper they consume, how much, how many apples they eat, uh, uh, et cetera, et cetera. You build a portfolio around that. And then you got the Peter Lynch's of the world who sort of pay attention to what his kids do. And uh, if he saw merit um, in their purchasing habits, he would then look further and invest in the company. And I, I saw Peter Lynch uh, down at our Canaccord Boston conference. Um, but this, this t- 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 takes me to the point in time we are right now. We came through a market crash. Apple is down, Jack, what, 40% from peak? From peak, yeah. All right. Um, Google is down 15%, maybe 10% from peak, not so bad. Um, Facebook, with its uh, only 2.5 billion users, is down some 40%. You're speaking about people who are um, transitioning from accumulation into divestor or into income needs. I'm going to throw at you the, the, the biggest phenomenon known to mankind from a demographic perspective, Sandy, is millennials. Millennials uh, exceed 2.5 billion people on this planet. They are the largest demographic ever. Tony Dwyer's work, our, our strategist, has been speaking to us for a number of years that as millennials turn 30, and uh, our um, technician, our, our, our board technician here, uh, Brittany, is a millennial, and she is a 20-something that is getting set to get married. You get married, you make an, uh, a purchase of a condo or a house, you buy a washer, you buy a dryer, you have a bambino, you get yourself a stroller, you get some car seats, and of course, every two years you replace those because the plastic breaks down apparently, so you get about 18 car seats when you're all said and done. And the, the, story the goes point on. is, I say the point is that millennials will not be that different than the, the no. past generations. They are going to get into their consumption years. Um, it's not. It is about experience with them. It's about experience for everyone, but uh, they won't be that different than the, the previous generation. But the point is, the mindsets have to change. In other words, because you, 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 you've, you've touched on it. Um, you, you're saying the boomers who are now retiring have to now go into an income uh, format, but their investing philosophy is not changing. So I want you to talk to, to that because I think the same thing, the millennials investing approach now must change too. Um, uh, growth, accumulation, and, and thinking longer term, thinking like a Peter Lynch, thinking uh, like a Warren Buffett, thinking like a Sandy McIntyre. Okay. Um, I started in 75, and that was a very unique time frame to start in this industry. At, at that point, less than half of the Canadian population had access to retirement savings. We, in 73, introduced RRSPs for all individuals. Was that the year 1973? Thank you for that. I have got no data on assets in the retirement system 
for the 70s and 80s. I know in 1990, the total retirement system in Canada was $500 billion. Uh, as of the end of 2017, it was $3.6 trillion. Wow. You go to the United States, they reformed their retirement system as well in 1974. Mm-hmm. They introduced IRAs. Mm-hmm. At the time, they had a total of $360 billion in retirement assets. Mm-hmm. It works out to about 1100 per person in the United States. Mm-hmm. And as of the fourth quarter of last year, you were up to $29 trillion in retirement assets. Mm-hmm. Now, individual investors think that, well, I can buy and sell easily. I can liquidate my portfolio, put my portfolio on. Mm-hmm. There is a whole lot of money out there that is co-invested with you. And oddly enough is on a, what I would call autopilot. I'm a member of a group RRSP. My money goes in and it's automatically allocated into a selection of funds that I've chosen. Mm-hmm. As a manager, I actually welcome downturns in the market because it enables me to allocate accumulated capital at a discount to where pricing was a month two months, three months ago. So I watched capital build, capital shrink. To put this in context, the growth rate over the past 30-odd years in retirement assets in both the United States and Canada runs at around 8% annually. Mm -hmm. That's money in, less money out, plus portfolio returns. Mm -hmm. The economy grows at around 3% annually. Mm -hmm. We're growing our savings at a rate that's faster than the economy in which we can allocate those savings. Mm -hmm. What does that do to price? Pushes them up. Now, when you've gone through a sequence of down markets, investors become too cautious. So I, I will go into branches and have advisors tell me their 40 year olds are answering know your client questions with short-term investment time horizons and low volatility tolerance. They're being put into three, 4% solutions. A 4% solution will double your capital in 18 years. 18 years, yeah. Well, a 40-year-old is almost 60 when the initial capital is doubled. Is their savings rate high enough? Mm I think the conversation has to change with the client, particularly in the accumulation years, to savings rate, compounding rate, and what your outcome looks like, and have a calculator that we actually built at Century, which can show the client, if you make this portfolio change at this point in time, this is the impact on your outcome 5, 10, 15 years out. Yep. So, Sandy, let's go to break here and pay some bills. Uh, we are in the broadcast business, and you and I are giving our wisdom for free. The price to pay is to listen to a few spots. So we're going to do that. Uh, Hi-Fi Radio will be right back with Sandy McIntyre, Jack Hartle, and Wolfgang Klein right after this. Money. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.
Oh yeah, baby. Or I should say, yeah, baby. We are taking it back to the 70s. Uh, yes, we got Sandy McIntyre, who's been working on Bay Street since 1975. So I guess we're going to do a little 70s throughout the show. The Pink Floyd Jack indicated was uh, recorded in 1973, and then we got some jive talking. But uh, he ain't speaking no jive, this man. No, no, no jive coming out of Sandy McIntyre. But we are talking common sense uh, about uh, your investments. Um, again, Sandy, uh, when, when markets make new highs, when marijuana stocks are front and center, when Bitcoin is ripping to 18000 Incoming calls come onto my desk and Jack's desk. Uh, can we buy Bitcoin? Should we buy marijuana? Uh, can we get some more Amazon at 2000 Markets start to go on sale, i.e. Boxing Day sale. No lineups, no phone calls. You know, everyone's buying, you know, if Louboutin shoes, I said- This, this is the only industry I, where people insist on buying high and selling low. They, but it's the truth. Like, I, even my advertising rep here at, at, at Chorus Entertainment, if you were to put his spots on sale, which they do in January and February, and they throw a trip in, people buy. Uh, so every industry but ours, they don't want to buy stuff on sale, except for the astute, like the true astute, Warren Buffett. All right, the, the, the Burlington Northern aside, it, he was stepping up to the plate in financial crises. And a, and a gentleman like yourself who has seen this movie before, have you have you seen this movie before, Sandy? Um, how many times? <laughs> how, how, does this one, how does this one stack up, though? So we've recently had, the market was down 20 points in 90 days, call it. Can I talk statistics? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um I'm a data geek. I've probably got as good a statistical database in Canada as there is on financial data. Um, I'm also very good with spreadsheets. Uh, so I went back last month and took a look at all market downturns where the spread between the spot market, that's where the index is closing today, and the 200-day moving average was. and analyze what outcomes were a year out. So on December 24th, the two, the spot market closed 14.6% below the 200-day moving average. So, so what you're looking for is big divergences from the average. That's that, what you're looking that's for. That's right. That's where momentum selling has taken the market well away from the average price people have paid over the previous period. Right. Okay. Um, I then went and said, okay, build some if-then equations. Um, look for the outcome a year out. If it's positive, put it in column A. If it's negative, put it into column B. There's 581 days since 1954 where the market was 12.5% or more below the 200-day moving average. If you sold at that level outcome you were going to get was nine times out of 10, you made the wrong decision. One time out of 10, you made the right decision. So 90% of the time you were up from that level a year out. 10% of the time you were down from that level a year out. If you, if you go and look at more serious divergences, this is what happened in 2008, 2009, 1987, um, 1974 and so forth, there are 141 days since 1954 where the market has traded 22.5% or more below the 200-day moving average. If you bought at that point, and this includes that horrible week in October of 2008 when we we're getting 10, 12 
100% intraday moves. If you bought at that point, you had 100% positive outcome a year out. <laughs> I wrote tickets to buy our funds in the last week of December. I bought equity funds, I bought credit funds, and I did it because I was being given a price opportunity. Brilliant. Absolutely. I want to talk about the 200-day moving average. Just I want to simplify this for the audience a little bit, and it is early in the morning. But the 200-day moving average just seems to be this line in the sand that technicians say, as long as the stock is trading above the 200-day, that's a long-term trend, we're comfortable. But when the 200-day moving average, which is, which is the average of the last 200 trading days of the stock or the index. So if the, if the market falls below the 200-day moving average, people think that's a sell sign. And I've debated over and over again. It's been, I've, I've had it simplified, thank you to my index chart that uh, uh, one of your competitors sent to us uh, at Christmas. Uh, and it's a beautiful chart, and it goes back to 1950. And I will start with the 87 crash on a chart that goes back to 1950 you can't see. Secondly, Sandy, the um, S&P 500 small cap index that has compounded at 14% since 1950 has turned $100 into $800,000 in 68 years. Uh, 100 bucks to $800,000 in 68 years. Well, th th think about it. If you're a mega cap company, your growth potential is tied into income growth, population growth, and market share stealing. If you're a company that has reached a critical point where you're free cash flow positive, you're growing market share, maybe you're in a new industry, you're providing a new service, your growth potential is much higher. I've always been a fan of investing in small to medium-sized businesses, and I think the most successful fund that we put together at Century was our small mid-cap fund. It was a, it, it's a beautiful fund, very hey, well managed by Aubrey Hearn. Sandy, you're a beautiful person. We're going to have to keep you in the studio here. So let's pay some bills again around here at, for Hi-Fi Radio because it keeps the lights on. Uh, more of Jack, Wolfgang, and Sandy right after this. Money. Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, money. more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Indeed it is. Hi-Fi Radio. Good morning to you. I hope your Saturday is going well. Uh, I'm very delighted to have Sandy McIntyre in studio. We're getting a, a, a refresh on our MBA, uh, a precursor to our PhD uh, in high finance. And that's what this show is all about. It is uh, Hi-Fi Radio, high finance. And of course, we like to throw in a little high fidelity just to have some fun. Indeed we do. Uh, so Sandy, where did we leave off? We left off at buying small companies versus big companies. Um, what about when big companies go on sale? I, let's go back to those FANG stocks. What's your current impression on the Amazons of the world. And we'll go Google, which is, I think, a toll booth to the internet, uh, search extraordinaire, to my $2,000 telephone I have in my hand here, uh, and probably $80 Otterbox. Is Otterbox, by the way, a public company? That, that's a good, I don't know. That'd be a good product to, to look yeah. at, too. Right? Yeah, so some mega caps, the, the FANG stocks. Uh, with any, any buy tickets uh, on December 24th in those names for you? It's unfortunate that companies get 
bunched in groups like this. Agreed. Um, you you take a, a Facebook which has got some structural issues around privacy. Um, we do not know what the cost will be on their solving the outcome. Their revenue model is fine. There's nothing broken in the business save that there are emerging privacy concerns that people want to see fixed. Uh, Google is absolutely investable. Um, Netflix has cash flow problems. Uh, they got competition problem too. Boy, the, yeah. the, the content cost as well. <laughs> it's crazy. But our analyst loves the stock. He is one of his yeah, top And, and getting back to Facebook there, you talk about regulation. You, investors, I think, underappreciate the power of regulation. Absolutely. You, you talk about the cannabis sector. And they're expensive stocks, but it's a new industry. Prohibition's being taken off. So you look at uh, the financial sector in the U.S., uh, regulation's been t- so, tightened over the last 10 so years. So, Jack, how many booze companies have survived? There were th- hundreds, thousands when Prohibition came off. No, 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 I agree 100%. I, I understand what you're saying, but regulation in multiple industries, not just cannabis, I use that yeah. as an, an extreme example, but you look at the, the financial sector in the U.S. For the last 10 years, they've been tightening regulation. At some point, they're going to have to ease it a little bit, allow these companies to pay more dividends, buy back more shares, re- return cash to shareholders. So it's just an underappreciated side of the business, I think, regulation. And we do have to pay attention to it. Yeah, both, both plus and minus. Yeah, right. yeah 100%. Uh, ab- absolutely. Um, you get into Tesla. Uh, EV is a fascinating concept. Mm-hmm. We don't have the distribution system to support conversion of the entire fleet, and they're cutting production. Uh, valuation does not support a production. And, and the yeah, automotive, correct. and the other automotive companies are also catching up too because oh, they, they got lots of resources. Volkswagen competitions got, on the way. Volkswagen's got them dead in their sights. Das Auto, my friend. Das Auto, and I'm a Volkswagen fan. I heard that Volkswagen, by the way, who came in, we had uh, one of the fellows come in and talk about battery uh, inputs, and he said that Volkswagen product, the electric vehicle, is going to be a disposable vehicle. I think about eight-year shelf life. Uh, the batteries break down over eight years, and they have, to, they have to, by law, recycle them. The recycling aspect of the batteries I like. The eight-year shelf life of the product, I don't like. No. Do not like. My, my, my Volkswagen diesel <clears throat> uh, is now 14 and a half years old. I'm getting great value. My kids say, buy a new car, Daddy. I said, no, I'm not going to buy a new car. I'm not. It, we Jack and I walked through the parking lot, and every car we walked by, guess what? It was depreciating. It's out there depreciating a little bit. <laughs> Right, but you 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 can't be a big car guy. You're you're a stock guy. You like stuff that compounds. Oh no, I, I'm I'm I must admit I'm totally stupid about cars. Oh yeah, um, I yeah. like cars and I like driving overpowered gas guzzlers. <laughs> <laughs> that that, but but I, I I tend to hedge my consumption in that I own refining stocks. And I own oil and gas production. Well, you want to talk oil and gas? We don't have too much time left, Sandy. And I can I can keep you in the studio for hours. It's just a treat to have you. It really, really is. Uh, good, good job, Imran, our wholesaler, our inside wholesaler, CI Investments. Um, but then let's talk about Canadian oil. Uh, I've trimmed a little bit of my oil again. I cheap. I, I can't hold it anymore, Sandy. It's just so not working. Um, and again, we get back to regulation. The government is not favorable for oil companies right now. We'll, we'll see what happens uh, with the federal election potentially, and maybe that's a catalyst. We'll see. So what do you think uh, of Canadian, I, Canadian I, oil here, Sandy? What's your take on it? Is, is it it's, our, it's our number one export. Consumption is not going down. It's growing at about a million and a half barrels a day globally. Uh, I, I, I am of the view that as a nation, we are absolutely idiotic and allowing a wealth transfer from Canadian producers <laughs> to, Americans. to American refiners. It's so true. Um, the 
you, I've seen many calculations, you know, $500 million a day, a couple of billion dollars a month. Um, just think what Ontario could do with the transfer payments if we maximize the revenue from our Alberta oil sales. Just think what Quebec could do with the transfer payments if we maximized our revenue from Alberta oil sales. Um, yet we won't allow Alberta oil to go through the old Trans-Canada mainline to reach Tidewater in the east because it's dirty. Did not know that. Very interesting, Sandy. My friend, we are out of time. I, I cannot thank you enough. Uh, can I ask you now, live on radio, will you come back and join us again? Oh, absolutely. Be, be a fun wolf, gang. Excellent. Uh, a real treat. Uh, Imran, again, thank you for that. Uh, Kevin Muir, East-West Management, Macro Tourist, uh, Market uh, Huddle Podcaster, uh, ongoing guest on uh, Hi-Fi Radio, is up next. Again, a big brain, lots of very unique ideas, somewhat contrarian, but certainly worth listening to. So please stay tuned to Hi-Fi Radio. More of it right after this. Making money is the best. So how do you make more money? Come on back after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Do indeed. Hi Fi Radio is back. I'm Wolfgang Klein, your host, a show about uh, money, high finance. Uh, we try to, you know, make it uh, palatable early in the morning. I know it's difficult to be up and get off in these uh, high finance discussions, but look, we're trying to keep it simple. Buy good stuff, spread yourself around, think longer term. Um, and it's difficult to do think longer term because when I bring guests on like Kevin Muir, he's always got a new idea. Uh, go long way, grain, go short. Uh, American dollars, uh, uranium, et cetera, et cetera. And that's who is on the line. It is Kevin Muir. He is with East West Investments. He's also the author of The Macro Tourist. That's how I first met, met him. I was reading The Macro Tourist Day, and I said, boy, this guy is smart. I got to get him on Hi-Fi Radio. Uh, he's also doing now a uh, podcast called The Market Huddle. Jack is a uh, a follower and a listener of the Market Huddle as he heads north to Sudbury every day on the GO train. Uh, so uh, it's a real pleasure, Kevin, to have you back in studio. We just uh, had Sandy McIntyre in the house, and there's a man with some experience in 1975. You don't go back that far, do you, boy? No, I was a little, I'm a little older, younger than that. I'll tell you, still, I was going to say, if you're still in the market and you're still uh, participating in the market and you've been doing it for 43 years, you must know something. There's a bit of a survivorship bias, I think, with Sandy. He's done exceptionally well uh, throughout his career. And how many bear markets has he seen? How many recessions has he seen? Yet, yet just before Christmas, he was purchasing some equities. Yeah. So, Kevin, Kevin I, I would say, say Kevin's a seasoned guy too. So, you know, okay, Kevin, you're you're very seasoned, and you're 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 you are slick, my friend, uh, in a good way. But uh, when we had you on here, I'm going to say it was in early December, uh, and the market was unraveling. And you were in with your partner who works on Market Huddle with you. What's his name again? Yeah, Patrick. 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 Uh, and the two of you, you know, we, I, I asked you, look, if, if you hold a portfolio today of good quality businesses, will you make money in 10 years? Your, your jaw sort of dropped a little bit. You said, ah, yeah, you will. Uh, but your call at that point was more weakness in December and then one vicious Santa Claus rally. You said that, my good friend. And you said uh, a final puke, too, which you actually got on Christmas Eve. You, the you the got, Christmas Eve massacre, you could call you it. You got right? everything everything you called for. Again, you, 
you didn't you didn't set the, we couldn't set the clock to it, but you were very very close. Because uh, Santa did come to town, he just came to town on Boxing Day, and and and, That's a, right. and, and he well yeah he, he offered to those who were willing uh, some some very very fine gifts. Uh, so here we are, Kevin, again, 2019. Uh, in reading your last piece, you were showing up some Chinese newspaper headlines in your bit, and I said, whoa, what, what's going on? What's going on in Kevin's mind? So thank you very kindly for coming back on the show, and I will simply ask you, what's on your mind? Well, I, I, am, I am worried about China, and that was what I wrote about recently, and uh, I kind of put out an idea that maybe one of the ways to play China was to be short Australia. Australia has gone 25-plus years without a recession, it's kind of hard to believe when you look at it and you just you look at the growth numbers and you're like, wow, I can't believe that they've gone so long. They were spared the 08 recession because China came in with a big stimulus package and they actually never dipped to a negative real GDP growth. And it's amazing because Australia, the Australian dollar moves locks stock and barrel with our dollar. And the Australian economy is very similar to our economy. Who is a wood drawers of water other than their location, which we can't. Really affect. Well, so if you go look at Australia, their biggest trading partner is China. Right. Look at Canada. Um, Our biggest trading our, partner is America. United States. Yeah. Um, we're both resource economies, so Correct. We, do, we do move very similarly. Yep. But um, the one thing is that that the, our big trading partners is why I kind of say to to kind of put out there that an idea might be to be short Australia and long Canada here. Interesting. Well, that's difficult for the average retail listener. Certainly, uh, you know, Jack and I don't even short, and so hence we, we don't encourage our clients to short. So if we could, if we could um, Kevin, let's stay on the long side. Uh, in other words, investable ideas. You know, and cash is an investable ideas. GICs, I guess, are investable ideas. Um, right. But, we, again, we, we've come off a pretty good uh, shakeout. Um, the statistics, again, again, Sandy just supported it. He said when you get a, a, a correction in and around, you know, Double digits of this magnitude below the 200-day moving average, nine out of ten times, one year out, market is higher. Uh, so, if you own a basket of blue chip Canadian and American stocks, do you think we're going to make some money one year out? Um, well, if you can tell me if we're going to go into recession or not, that's going to make that uh, no recession. A lot I'm going to say no recession. Oh well, if we have no recession, then chances are that uh, the stocks will be higher a, a year from now. That is correct. Yeah. But I think what the market is concerned about and uh, what was interesting about December was during that whole period of the big sell-off, the market went from discounting no recession to almost putting in 100% certainty when you Correct. looked at the Fed fund futures and, and the different instruments out there that kind of get a, get a sense for what the markets are expecting the Fed to do. Um, the violence of that move was kind of uh, got a lot of professionals off guard, caught them off guard. And uh, when you're looking out and just trying to decide what the next year is going to bring, I think you have to be, uh, for Sandy's uh, forecast to come true, you have to assume that there's going to be no recession. Now, I'm a little probably uh, not quite as optimistic as Sandy. I'm kind of more in the David Rosenberg, that uh, who's now a Gluskin chef, and he used to be a famed uh, strategist at uh, Merrill Lynch. He's calling for a recession, I believe, in 2019. Yeah, okay. He was calling for a recession. I'm going to have to he was also calling for a recession in 2009, 2010, 2011. <laughs> no, honestly, he has been negative. So good. I'm glad he's sticking with us, too, because I promise you, 
he will be right. Look, we're going to pay some bills around here, Kevin. Let's get back. We can have some fun, okay? We've got one more hit. Let's have some fun with it. A little back and forth ping pong. Uh, but Kevin Muir, uh, East West Investments, macro tourist author, uh, and the Market Huddle podcast. A real treat to have him on the line with us as well on Hi-Fi Radio. More of Kevin Muir right after this. Stay with us. There's more shows still to come. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Yes, we do. We want it all, and we want it all now. You know, but we don't need it all now, so I think patience is a virtue. I hate to use the cliche, but, uh, you know, in the world of investing, patience can be such a virtue. Uh, Time can make a wrong into a right. Uh, And it may not necessarily be wrong. It could just be mispriced. Um, You know, the concept of mean reversion. Uh, well, it is Hi-Fi Radio. We talk about this stuff. And we got Kevin Muir on the line, Jack Hartle in studio, and uh, Brittany the Butcher, our technician. Yes, our engineer, our sound engineer, doing such a fine job queuing up the students for Hi-Fi Radio. So, Kevin, um, we don't need it all. Okay, we don't need it all. We just want some good quality ideas uh, that we can actually think longer term. So based on China slowing down, Australia perhaps slowing down, um, give me some investable longer-term ideas. Well, we've spoken about uranium in the past, so I still think that that's uh, kind of a sector that you should look at. It's a down and out. It's been bombed out the whole sector. It's been left for dead. Uh, the other thing is that I kind of like down here, and one of the reasons that I like Canada over Australia is that I think the energy stocks have... Uh, They've really suffered, and you know we had the W. The Western Canadian Select went down to what was it? Twenty bucks. Twelve bucks. No, I think it was even lower. But it's rebounded. It's back to forty-five bucks. Is it? Um, it's back to forty-five. Oh, eh? Yeah, wow, no, that moved quick. So it's. Uh, I guess about they, they restricted the supply. Yeah, that's exactly. Right? It. The exactly. Premier of Alberta said that's it. We're going to take three hundred thousand barrels of production offline, off rail, uh, and that obviously solved some problems. It's funny. We just had Sandy McIntyre in the studio. And we asked him about Canadian oil, uh, and he said oil consumption globally will go up. Uh, the problem, of course, is in Canada. We got to figure out a way to get rid of the stuff and uh, bring it to markets, so, and, and 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 subsidizing American refineries. We, people don't Canadians don't appreciate. Hey, Kevin, maybe you want to touch on that. They don't appreciate the um, subsidies American oil refineries have gotten by us Canadians selling them our oil for such a deep discount because we don't have infrastructure to move it to world it, markets. It, I can't remember the numbers, but it's mind-boggling. It's like in the hundreds of millions of dollars per month or something. It's just, it's nuts, and especially when the spread between... Well, back up, our largest export is oil, again, according yeah. to Sandy. So if we're selling it at a, what, 50% discount to world prices, it has to be in the billions of dollars per annum. Yeah. Billions. You know. And, you know, the Western Canadians are just so frustrated with uh, the inability for the federal government to put through policies that allow the, the oil, that, that discount to be narrowed. And I don't blame them, uh, you know. It's been one of these things I saw, you know, somebody started a speech the other day that says it's not very often that you see a country commit financial suicide, but Canada sure is trying. And uh, our our policies in terms of uh, getting our oil outside of uh, Alberta is just, it's it's crazy. And now what about the, um, there there was a Vegas get-together, uh, and I learned this from my Kelowna radio interview I do. Uh, I guess I do a little hit every day or every Friday out in Kelowna, B.C. Again, just from my desk. It's just like you're doing right now, Kevin. Um, but uh, 
there was a gathering, and it, it had to do, of course, with the pipeline. And apparently First Nations have banded together 140 bands, uh, made themselves known, and said they are interested in taking the uh, pipeline project off the federal government's hands. Uh, and, of course, if, if First Nations had it in their jurisdiction, I think they would have a greater likelihood of actually getting it passed as to what they were trying to accomplish. Wow. But uh, that's exactly what we need. We need someone who can actually get that thing to the finish line. Don't you agree, Jack? Well, they, they need to look at any option that they can because, like you said, it's a catastrophe, financial catastrophe that uh, that the Canadians are doing right now. We're subsidizing uh, American refiners, and it's yeah. – it's yeah. just silliness. But you would still, but but with all that said and done, because we're not going to build a pipe quick. This stuff takes so much time, as we have learned the hard way. Uh, you, at today's price, you'd be buying oil here. Well, buying the oil stocks, the yeah. Canadian oil stocks, yeah, because a lot of the, the that that discount, the market had been very pessimistic about their ability to fix the problem. And you know, the Premier of Alberta actually went out. And I think she's buying some rail cars. Yes, she, she is buying rail cars like, to move another crazy couple. When you think about the NDP, you know, spending the money to go buy rail cars to fix a market problem um but the the canadian oil stocks are just they're they're down and out and nobody believes and i and i think that the world's going to continue using oil i think it's going to be a slow process off of off of fossil fuels and i suspect that when you wake up a kind of uh, a couple of years down the line you'll be happy that you own some canadian uh, oil stocks at these prices well jack and i own suncor for our clients which is of course heavy oil and we own we own some matter plus as well yeah. plus yeah but that's about it we, we are light oil we are <laughs> light oil we're underweight oil. uh kevin interest of time do you have another nugget for us well, um, another nugget. I'm just trying. I think that people should just be weary of, uh, you know, China and they're wary of China because I think that that's a real problem. And I think that they should be kind of keep their um, watching and, and being wor- worried about um, kind of it getting a little bit worse before it gets better. Because if you go look at the political timetable in China, they have no. First of all, the the premier is a premier for life, so he's got no issues that way, and he's also got um, no, no big kind of uh, party meetings or anything until 2021. So, uh, whereas everyone thinks that there's going to be some stimulus coming out of China and that we're going to see uh, some sort of trade deal, I, I look at it and I I see lots of problems on the horizon for the trade deal. If it does, if we do get one, for it to not be as good as everyone expects, and then for the stimulus to be a little slower coming than everyone is hoping. Mm-hmm. Okay, Kevin, you're bringing me down again, my good yeah, friend, but that's so, okay. That's okay. We, we, I, I think right now the market would be happy with any trade deal. They're not going to solve all of the, the, the trade issues between China and the U.S. with the, you know, uh, I think it was a, what, 90-day uh, ultimatum. Yeah. But yeah, more hopefully they move in the right direction. And like Kevin said, uh, there's no real political motivation for the Chinese to move too dramatically because they're they're not going anywhere, right? Kevin, Whereas Trump, Trump is dependent on the market. And, and, and again, Kevin, you like the you like Cameco as a, or you just like the U in terms of uranium? Well, in terms of uranium, there's lots of different plays you can do there. One of the things you could look at for something that is truly a lot less volatile and not subject to kind of equity swings is this closed-end uranium fund, which is to symbol U. To symbol U, yeah, yeah. I and saw that. I own that for a bit. I, I, I traded for ten percent. It's now yeah. about four ninety. I got four forty for it. I bought it four bucks on your recommendation. Well, what's interesting about that one is that it's tr- the spot is trading much less than the forward 
covered contracts that a lot of these uranium com companies are pricing. So you're basically buying something that, if, assuming that the, the forward contracts stay the same, spots should drift higher over time, hopefully. Interesting, interesting. It, that is called a contango. Contango is actually quite bearish. Uh, it's backwardation that's actually very bullish, is it not? But for another for another conversation, my good friend, Kevin Muir, uh, East-West Investment Strategist, author, macro tourist, podcaster, uh, and he got his podcast experience here on Hi-Fi Radio, I may add, uh, called the Market Huddle. Uh, you keep up your great work, Kevin. It's a real treat, man, to have access to uh, uh, your gray matter, shall I say, uh, and your fine fellow as well. Thanks I want to wish you all a yeah, I want to wish you all a great weekend, Jack. As always, lots of fun working with you, Brittany. You put a smile on our face every uh, morning we come to the studio to work with you as well. Uh, have a great weekend. Hi Fi Radio will be with you next Saturday on the Global News Radio Network, six forty in Toronto. <laughs> You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, Portfolio Managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. We'll see you next week.